nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to an El Dia Después episode of the Managing Madrid podcast. It is a new segment on the Managing Madrid podcast this season where we unapologetically and shamelessly seal the name of another show and put it into our own podcast the day after Real Madrid plays. So we are here on a Monday, the day after Real Madrid tie, also soon at home at the Bernabeu 1-1. And joining me on the segment, as usual, is Lucas Navarrete. Lucas, how you doing? Again, I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me, as always. We're going to talk about Real Madrid. That's what the people want. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Lucas. I, you know, some people... I, I feel like games like last night are the are the ones where it's tough to appeal to everyone and make everyone happy, you know, because a lot of people wanted us to be more critical and other people wanted us to be uh, more understanding of, you know, the fact that Real Madrid finally dropped points. And you know, I think, generally speaking, I think we do a pretty good job of providing objective analysis just analyzing what happened that's it like without even really adding too much opinion to it just analyzing what happened and i think matt and i outlined everything we could in the most fair way in the most nuanced way and that this was a poor performance a lot of players played poorly osasuna defended well we also probably would have won this game normally because benzema probably scores that penalty or takes another chance that he would have scored last season one of our other Chances goes in. Osasuna didn't do much on the on the offensive end. The Kike goal was a freak goal. We played bad. It was also international break, so we taking that consider take that into consideration. This is the first time we've dropped points all season. I feel like it's just a bit of everything, and there's no like black and white way of looking at this. Like we were bad, it was terrible, or we were great. Like there's no, no there's no really no real reason to make excuses, nor is there any real reason to just ignore some of the challenges that were present in this game. It wasn't good. It was poor. Should have won it, regardless if we were missing mortgage or not. And international break was there. I think a lot of these things can be true. But I'm curious to know where you stand on it. And maybe you're more critical or more uh, understanding. I, I don't know where you stand on the spectrum. I'm I'm quite critical about the performance. I think that it was, as you mentioned, quite poor overall. I think that some players... Uh, got a, a big chance to prove their worth uh, and to p- potentially gain and compete for more minutes last night and they didn't they didn't deliver i don't think for example that uh Ceballos, uh quite deliver i think that you know he had a possible uh, a chance here to, to 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 establish himself as a quality starter in well not quality starter sorry quality reserve for real madrid and potential starter in in many league games uh, from now on to me, he was quite disappointing. Same could be said about Rodrigo on the right wing. I, I still, I'm still getting these uh, mixed performances from him. He was great at the derby, uh, on the, the center of the attack, and last night he was pretty much invisible on the right wing, which is 
where you want to where you want him to perform obviously because that's where you you need him most and obviously Benzema Real Madrid are, are missing Benzema a lot I think that a quality Benzema I'm not talking uh, I'm obviously aware of the fact that he played but this is this is your version of uh, of Real Madrid when Benzema is not at a high level I don't think he was at a high level last night and Real Madrid will be in trouble if uh, if Benzema can can can't pick it up ahead of the ahead of the World Cup. I think it's I think it, it's time to ask ourselves whether or not is it time to be a little bit concerned about uh, about Benzema's form so far this season. I know that it's, he obviously deserves uh, the patience and the, and the benefit of the doubt. This was obviously his first game after after missing the last month or so of uh, of games, but. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't. Th- I think Real Madrid will be in trouble just because of, uh, of the fact that they don't have a quality replacement for him. A lot of things there. Um, I'm. I'm personally not worried about Benzema. Admittedly, before the season even started, and, and we didn't even know that he was going to be off form, I had mentally prepared myself that after the World Cup, we would be faced with people who were going to drop their form. So I guess it's a little bit concerning in the sense that I didn't expect him to also be off form and injured before the World Cup. But having said that, I'm still not worried about him. I think I think what happened the beginning of the season until the Celtic game, okay, it happened. We analyzed it. I, I wasn't worried about him then because my feeling was that he was so involved, he was just missing chances, and eventually those chances would fall. You know, yeah, maybe he was. there was some link-up stuff that wasn't as sharp as last season as well, to be fair. But I still wasn't worried about him. And then this game in particular i think it was also a matter of his first game back uh i said this last night and i can't prove it but i think there's at least some intangible evidence if you want to call it that that there was probably some psychological factors with sergio herrera and that penalty last night um so you know take it for what you will but he did score an offside goal later (laughs) you know but maybe the penalty was more in his head he also missed a great chance later in the game in the 93rd minute i think it was um, but I'm still not worried about him because he's not being shy about the whole thing. And I think the rest will come. And I also, to your to your question or point or, or concern about certain players maybe not taking the game by the scruff of the neck and establishing themselves like Ceballos, I, I think a theme with Real Madrid is that a lot of the starters, whatever game it is, they tend to struggle in, in, in games. Mm-hmm. Because you're, they're facing a low block and it's hard to break that. In the second half, the, the subs who come in tend to favor it because of the game state. And it doesn't seem to matter who starts or comes off the bench. It seems to be like this is the universal case with Real Madrid. You know, maybe if Ceballos yeah. comes off the bench yesterday, he's better or whatnot. Uh, no, you know, that's not like... A, As Camavinga was. Camavinga was, was good off last night for example, brilliant, yeah. A couple of brilliant yeah. passes, especially that one to Benzema on the box that led to the penalty. Um, mm-hmm. Having said that, you know, it's not it's not like a foolproof logical explanation because Cruz I thought was pretty good as a starter, right? And I, I, I thought Ceballos was mm-hmm. was wasn't too bad. I you know, he played a couple of nice vertical passes. I d I don't really think anyone was that good though. So um, you know, Chu Many was another one that was a mixed bag, did some good things and did some bad things. And so mm. um I guess it just like when I when I look at these games, Lucas, I always try to look at I always try to put myself mentally in April. I just asked the question, how much does this game matter? Because I already forget about all of the bad games we had in the start of last season. Because by the time the season ended, we were we won the double. 
And it's always just a reminder of like, it doesn't matter like that much right now what happens. I mean, obviously it does because we're tied with Barcelona and every point counts. Of course that matters. But I, I'm just like, you know, who knows like how much this actually matters. And because I, I believe, I personally, I believe in the team's mentality. I think we owe it, we owe it to them. Yeah, but the concern about Barcelona being a lot better than they were last season is there. Yes. Maybe they're not better not that much better in terms of uh, their playing style and, and their entertainment aspect of the game. I thought they were quite mediocre against against Mallorca the other night, but obviously they got the win because they, they have Lewandowski this season. Yeah. So that's a big uh, that's a big reason why. And ultimately, the fact that Real Madrid dropped points last night makes El Cl- the upcoming El Clasico much more important because obviously you want to take advantage of the of the of the home field factor there and the fact of the matter that the game is played at the Bernabeu and you don't want to, to draw or lose that game just in case that you know you might lose El Clásico at the Camp Nou so you want to even those things those things and at least get the win in, in at the Bernabeu so it would have you know not dropping points last last night would have taken uh, uh, a bit more pressure of, of Madrid's back in the upcoming Clásico and I think these games are the ones you, you have to win when the race for the title is expected to be as close as it is this season I think yeah I agree and that's the that's the part that actually worries me more about Real Madrid themselves I, I believe in their mentality to bounce back and finish and have a strong season but the one it is absolutely true that the margin of error this year is much much thinner Barca are better and as you mentioned there's going to be games that Barca don't play well there's plenty of them but they have something that they haven't had since Messi left and that they have a superstar now to, to save them and I mean his <laughs> Lewandowski's goals I, I I literally tune into that Barca game in real time and as I turned it on Lewandowski did that insane goal it was a, it was a moment of genius and so they have that now and um, they will have that uh, against us and and um we can analyze that, but what else from the game? Because I know we also want to talk about Courtois and stuff. But what else from the game stood out to you? You mentioned Chouameni. I think he it was his worst game as a as a Real Madrid player by far, even worse than than his debut, which was which was a bit concerning and at least for me. But definitely last night wasn't wasn't brilliant. But you know these games happen, and and ultimately I think that Real Madrid ended up missing some intensity. From the from the get go, I thought they took uh, Osasuna a bit lightly, and I think the 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 optimistic and 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 and, and the optimistic analysis that tend to focus a lot on the silver linings, saying that Real Madrid didn't win because Benzema missed the penalty. Obviously, that's accurate and all that, but I thought Real Madrid didn't create many chances themselves. I thought that obviously the first goal was not intentional in the in the sense that Vinicius was not trying to score in that in that position in that position. I thought I think we can all agree that that was cross. It's also a questionable decision by the referee. We can discuss that. I I personally think that if Rudiger is erased from that play, the referee I the, the goalkeeper would have saved that uh, that ball. So if you take a look at that play with this uh, particular point of view, Ran Rudiger being offside, I thought that the referee had a case to call that uh, to call that goal off and and call it offside. I thought personally it was. I think it's my subjective point of view anyway. But again, I thought it was 
it was a quite a poor performance and and not the not the brightest way to start uh, what's going to be a very busy month of October. We can all we could all see Real Madrid dropping points. I mean, it's not it's clear that Real were not win we're not going to win every single game uh, this season, but. Osasuna at home, those are the ones who have to to take care of business, I think. Well, these games exist every single year, no matter how good we are or, yeah, how, sure, or sure. how bad we are. I I also think, um, and, and I think your your assessment of the goal being offside is not incorrect. And, and it's you mentioned it's subjective. I, certainly like by the rules of the game, if you look at the rule book, if you interfere in the line of sight with the goalkeeper or the opponent in an offside position, it is offside, and there is that. There is definitely, for sure, one angle I thought that proved that proved that that was he was interfering. Based and Kylian, not only not only his line of sight. I don't think uh, Rudiger um, stood in in the path of the ball towards the goalkeeper. I don't think it's that case. But you know, his intent to go in after the ball is what makes the goalkeeper confused and ultimately makes the goalkeeper miss the ball and and miss the save overall. I think that's a, that's the most important thing to analyze in this particular play. I think that again, if you erase Rudiger completely from that play, I think the goalkeeper saves the ball, and that means that the play should have called offsides in my opinion because Rudiger was offside uh, was offsides and he was interfering with play not because again not because he was specifically in the line of sight of between the ball and the goalkeeper but because he tried to go after the ball and his position got the goalkeeper close so the um if you dis- if you exclude the goal like let's say if, you know it didn't count or if it didn't go in it didn't count whatever um so both the Vinicius goal and the Kike goal were both exactly 0.02 xG. And in, in other words, basically they were kind of freak goals that normally wouldn't have existed. Um, and I and and if you exclude Benzema's penalty, the xG I think in this game for Real Madrid was like one point, uh, I think one point one point seven or something like that. Um, it came down to two two to three like chances that were really good and and one of them was the Rudiger header from a crew set piece the other one was Benzema mm-hmm. Benzema's header in the 93rd minute and the other one was uh Mariano, Mariano. I think it was yeah yeah and and then in addition to that there was a bunch of crosses that Carvajal specifically I thought put in well but you know we couldn't capitalize on and I also think this might this might sound weird to say but I actually think Osasuna or more difficult matchup for us than like Atletico Madrid. I guess this this might come down as like, oh, Keon's making excuses. Like there's no way Osasuna are, are better than Atletico. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying with the way Atletico played us at the Metropolitano was like a suicide mission. They basically rolled out a red carpet for Vinicius and Rodrigo and Fede Valverde and gave them a ton of space to run into. And Osasuna did not allow that. So naturally what I'm saying is, it's just more difficult to break down a low block. Um, and it has been with, with Real Madrid for quite some time. It's, quite frankly, I think it's a difficult thing to do for most teams, even if you're a big team. And so that, I think Ancelotti's plan at the end was just, let's just cross and cross and cross and see, see what mm. happens. Zidane style, like send Ramos up, send Casemiro up. In this case, it was send Mariano in, put six strikers, which I'm still not convinced was oh, the yeah. best decision, but he did what he did. Um, so 
I think it's it's combination of it was a low block. Vinicius and Rodrigo didn't look that sharp. Vinicius looked a little bit better later in the game. Rodrigo tried to do things. He did some good things. Ultimately, he he was burned defensively once or twice, and he also got the better of Juan Cruz once or twice, but also Juan Cruz dis- dispossessed him once or twice. It was just kind of a mixed bag from a lot of key players. And I think also the other thing, oh, Matt and I mentioned this last night. Fede Valverde is sometimes a game changer in these moments, but last night he was in a double pivot with Camavinga and basically had six attackers in front of him, and he can't really influence the game from that position. You might as well keep Cruz in there, who was playing well, to play yeah. quarterback. Yeah. So, yeah. I agree. Um, do you want to talk about Courtois? Yeah, uh, it's something we we should cover. So, uh, club sources. When I when I asked them about uh, about Courtois and how he was feeling, and after seeing that he was not in during today's uh, he was not involved in today's training session, they told me and the rest of the Spanish press that uh, Courtois is out definitely with uh, with this back uh, problem. It's not a, it's not an injury per se. It's more of a condition. It's just pain on his back. I don't know how to translate it uh, specifically. It's just, but he won't be back until the pain is gone, and uh, doctors don't even know when that will happen. Obviously, there are there's some there's reason for concern in that uh, in that particular report because it could be you know the pain could disappear in three months time. But there's uh, an optimistic way to look at it, which is that maybe the the pain with the treatment that Real Madrid players usually get. Maybe the pain will be gone in in one week or in or, or in three days even. But in the meantime, Lunin will be in charge of the of the goalkeeper spot, and there's a, there's a fairly big chance that Courtois misses a, a classic and and a few more games. I think. You, I mean, obviously that's terrible news. <laughs> I don't know if there's any way to to spin it. I don't know if there's any silver lining. You know, like sometimes I say. Um, you know, there's silver lining. Maybe in a, in a young player has to come, but I, I, I would be lying if I said I, I truly believe that Luna would all of a sudden step up in this situation. Although he's very talented, but I, I would be lying if I say I wasn't worried about you know where he is right now in his development curve and and the the important stretch of games that come up. So where do you stand on that? I agree with you. I I'm not sure and I'm not confident about Luna's chances of. Uh of being up to the task of being Real Madrid's main goalkeeper in a month or or in two months straight. I believe he can, he could do a good job in in games like El Copa, like the Copa del Rey games where you know the, the the ultimate result, ultimate score don't matter as much. But you know these are champion big Champions League games he's going to 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 have to play and potentially also El Clasico, Sevilla and all that and I'm not sure if Lunin will be able to to fill Courtois. Well, he won't be able to fill Courtois' shoes because Courtois is the world's best goalkeeper. But I'm not sure if he will be able to be uh, uh, just up to the task and be an, a better-than-average goalkeeper for Real Madrid in the meantime while Courtois is out. Let's hope that he is. I, he, saw, he was obviously a very interesting prospect for Real Madrid, and that's why Real Madrid signed him. And that's also why Real Madrid kept him during this last uh, few seasons when they could have sent him unknown and all that. Obviously, the talent is there, but you need something more than talent to to succeed at a club like Real Madrid. You, you need experience, you need composure, you need uh, cold blood, you need uh, uh, all of those things that we still don't know if Lunin has them. 
and hopefully he does. But Courtois shoes are are definitely big, uh, big, big, big shoes to fill. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's see because I I don't mean to make an unfair analysis on Lunin because. Quite frankly, it's it's more just like ignorance for me that I don't know how he's going to cope with this. My I, my hope is that he proves any all of our doubts wrong and he just does amazing and all of a sudden we're like, oh my god, we didn't know you were this good. Like the the reality is, I think a lot of people who believe in him, how like how much have they actually watched him play? I think the answer is not much. No matter even if you come come at me and say, you know, I've been following Lunin for instance, blah blah, blah like this many years, like. He literally has not played football for a couple of years. Even at Real Oviedo, he was a little bit of a mixed bag. So I will see. I, you know, he was I think impressive last season when he played towards the end of the season when we were playing some of the bench guys like Vallejo and Lunin and all those guys, Ceballos. I thought he was impressive then at least. So let's see. I, I think it's a bit of an unknown. I'm, I, I just want. I'm, I'm curious to see how he deals with it mentally because um, I think that's probably going to be his biggest challenge is how much. He can cope with the pressure right now, so this is not a, yes, a pressure-free situation, right? And it's also a tough time for him personally. You have to wonder because of the of the yeah. war in Ukraine and all that. So let's just hope that his head is in the right place and uh, he can focus on football. And obviously, we don't know about his family and how everything is in in Ukraine personally for him. But it's definitely a tough. You have to wonder that it's. Uh, I had to guess. And to acknowledge the fact that it's obviously a tough time for him personally, so let's hope that this doesn't affect uh, him during the next uh, couple of weeks, couple of months. May hopefully not months, but weeks. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully just weeks. Um, any parting parting thoughts? No, we don't. Not really. Just Real Madrid don't have uh, any time to regroup or, or gather themselves. Uh, to uh, to bounce back, they have an opportunity to do so uh, on Wednesday against against Shakhtar. Modric is back, Lucas Vazquez is back. Also, I'm not sure if Ancelotti will want to use them as a starters uh, right away, considering that they they have recovered from, from muscle injuries. But uh, it's that time of the year when Real Madrid just have to, to focus and, and grind everything in order to to win as many points as they can, both in the Champions. League and, and La Liga and don't take the Champions League for granted because it will be huge to have the, the first spot in the in the group uh, clinched at least two games before the, the group stage ends so that you can focus in La Liga and give and uh, make some rotations in the Champions League. I think Real Madrid would make a huge mistake if they were to to take the Champions League group stage uh, lightly just because they are the favorites to, to advance. I don't think they should uh, leave that for the last uh, match of the group stage. I think the the sooner they can take care of business in the in the Champions League, the better. Speaking of the Champions League, on Wednesday night we are doing a show exclusively for patrons over on Patreon.com/slash/ManagingMadrid. So if you want to join us on the on the podcast on Zoom an hour after the game and also get access to the podcast itself after the recording, then go to Patreon.com/slash/ManagingMadrid. We're doing a show tomorrow night. Wednesday, and then also Thursday, because Lucas and I will be back to answer Madrid questions on the mailbag. Uh, so that's over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. And of course, if you're going to be in Madrid for El Clasico weekend, make sure you uh, sign up and book your spot, because we're doing a preview show in Madrid in person. Lucas, thanks for your time. Good luck on the Nuggets this season. May it Thank you, again. Come Hopefully. Off, may it start with a bang tomorrow night, and uh, we'll catch you on Thursday. Thanks, Lucas.
Thank you. You too. All right, guys, you know the drill. Before we wrap it up and send you along on your way, we want to give a shout out to our patrons uh, over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid, specifically these $10 plus patrons, because if you pledge $10 or more, you get a specific shout out on the podcast in addition to getting guaranteed responses to your questions. So shout out to Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Way Pairing, Wamik Jamal, Tobias Arroyo Botcher, Tarek Goktas, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sushank Damala, Sujawani, Sumachu Singh, Sheikh Atiri, Shamil, Shabazz, Sharapov, Sergio, Arispe, Santos, Solorsano, Samuli Justin, Samar Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Diafari, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicolas Zapatero, Zubiare, Nicholas Moller, uh, Nick Ribeiro, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Martin Ridman, uh, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Magnus Lex, Logan Stahl, Leon Savernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Kohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Con P, Christian Toff, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Armand Gashi, Armando L, Antons Rudenko, Ananya Kumar, Anirut Singh, Alex Steiberg, Al Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalikovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun Ramtin Magrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. We love you guys so much. Thanks for your support. Thanks for being part of the family. We'll see you tomorrow night over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid for Tuesday Tapas and Hala Marid.